Ashburn. Alan, could you just um, drop the music stand somewhere? So just because I'm aware that it's probably obscuring. I can't see the bit. You see, that's right. So, uh, Peter, some of you, I don't know, may recognise you from telly. Might do. Why yeah. is that? Why, why have you been on telly? Um, well, I'm an auctioneer by profession. Um, I've, I've auctioned all sorts of things, but uh, the majority of my auctioneering has been in the antique and fine arts and collectibles department. And um, as part of that, you know, all the TV programmes there are, they want to come to your sale room. And so I've had the privilege of being on Flog It, Bargain Hunt, Cat in the Attic, Dickinson's Cash, field. not cat. Ca cash. <laughs> yes, cash. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Cat in the attics is very different. So. Uh, very different, very yeah. different. But, uh, and uh, Dickinson's real deal, he is actually the colour that he looks on the telly. <laughs> uh, and numerous TV programmes uh, over the years. And it's been good fun. And uh, you know, What's it, your favourite? What's my favourite? I think Floggett's the programme I enjoy the most because it's the most realistic in many ways. You know, some of the other ones are a bit sort of contrived in a way, but uh, Floggett's a very good programme. And, and Paul Martin, the chappie who, you know, has been organising it for some time and presenting it, is a lovely chap too. So that, that's been good. Yeah. Great. Well, you, you um, kind of found us a little bit through lockdown and joined us online and then when we were able to yes. meet in October... September, yes. you started, well, the summer actually, you started coming along and That's right. came to see you a few weeks ago. I was devastated because um, you kind of never know if you go to an antique expert's house. Um, the heirlooms that it's filled with. Now, as I was, Peter, you were making me a cup of tea and I kind of turned around and I knocked a lamp off and it smashed on the floor. <laughs> it wasn't precious, was it? No, it wasn't precious. That's no, what you told no, me no. at the time. No, no, it wasn't. No, it's still not, it's still not precious. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> it's absolutely fine. Yeah, it was quite interesting how I did find you as a church, actually. The main reason I found you was because a very good friend of mine who um, loves the Lord and serves the Lord all over the place, really, uh, was listening to UCB. And uh, on this particular day, there was a lady from this church who was sharing a testimony. I don't know what her name was, but she may be here tonight. I don't know. And so my friend rang me up and said, oh, there's somebody from Chipping County Baptist, you know, sharing a testimony. And I believe that that may be the place where God wants you to go. And, uh, you know, that was part of the sort of journey of, of coming over to here. Fantastic. Um, I don't know who that is, do you? Oh. I don't have a clue who it was. But, uh, but it was, uh, you know, it just helped me to point me in the right direction because, you know, my walk with God is very important and being in the place where God wants you to be, I believe, is very important too. Uh, and somewhere where you can really serve God and use the gifts that God has given you. And uh, so that's fantastic. So you're, you're a bit yeah. of a local, local lad originally? Well, I, I, I was born in Leicestershire, went to Berkshire after that, back to Leicestershire, but I went to the Royal Agricultural University, it is now, it was just college in those days, down at Sirencester and did a three-year course in rural estate management. Um, and then um, actually became a Christian while I was down there, uh, just the last few months of my time down there. Yeah, so, Gloucestershire so how, how did that a, happen? How did you come to faith? Right, okay. Well, I've been seeking for a long time. I mean, my dad's a minister, uh, but I was very... Well, I, I just couldn't cope with dead religion. And I wanted reality. And uh, all I saw when I went to church, and I went from church from the year before I could remember, uh, you know, right through till I became a Christian without knowing Jesus and without having a personal relationship with him. 
Uh, and it was when I left home and went away to college that I began to meet you know, young men who had similar interests interest to me who had a very personal faith. And I thought, hmm, that's much more interesting. That's far more in line with what I'm looking for, really, and what I'm seeking. And over a period of nearly three years, sort of hearing the gospel gently sort of tapping away at me, uh, I went through quite a difficult time, actually, because the Holy Spirit was convicting me I felt rotten inside and uh, I became very fearful and I had this terrible fear that I'd got cancer and if I got an itch on a big toe that it might be cancer creeping in. You know, Satan tries to destroy us. He kind of came to kill, steal and destroy, didn't he? It's Jesus who came to give us life and life in all its fullness. And I was looking for that life in all its fullness, but all I had seen in the past was going to church, singing hymns out of a hymn book, praying prayers out of a prayer book, but no reality and no personal relationship. And it was actually towards the end of my time at Sirencester, a chappie came to share his testimony, and testimonies are very powerful things, really. Uh, and he shared how he had been manager of a tea plantation in Kenya, and his back had completely gone. He was in hospital. He couldn't move at all. And some Christians came, came to see him, to pray for him, and they prayed for him, and God completely healed his back. He also shared how his wife had been healed from cancer and uh, all sorts of other miracles and things. And one in particular really spoke to me because as an agricultural student, uh, this chappie was sharing he was working on a farm in East Anglia and they were growing peas on this farm and they'd harvested this crop of peas and it was in a mound outside of the building on a concrete pad. Uh, but it became very evident that the rain clouds were gathering and if it had rained heavily on that crop, it would have destroyed the crop. And he, as quite a young Christian at that time, felt that God wanted him to do something about it. And so he spoke to the clouds in Jesus' name. He pointed to the clouds and he commanded them to part in Jesus' name. And guess what happened? The clouds parted and it rained on the fields either side, but it was dry where that crop of peas was. And I thought, wow, that's reality. That's what I'm looking for. And so that evening I went back to the cottage that I was staying in and I found a book by David Watson, who many of you may have heard of. He was a, a vicar in a church just next to the um, York Minster in York. And at the back of this book was a prayer of commitment to Jesus. And I simply really wanted to know Jesus and prayed that prayer for my heart. And I know that something changed and happened at that moment because this horrible fear that had been really grabbing hold of me and trying to pull me down went. And I had a peace in my life for the first time, really. Uh, so that was just the beginning of my walk. So when was that? That was in March 1979. Great. And when you, so you'd, you'd had this fear that, that had been overtaking you and consuming you. From that moment, what did you notice different about, about yourself and the way you viewed things? Well, I think the thing that changed was that I could actually pray and know that I was actually speaking to God and that God was actually communicating with me. Uh, but this incredible peace was the main thing because, you know, the fear went. And I started putting my trust in God over my circumstances and situation. It was the point leading up to when I needed to find a job. And so I prayed to God and I said, Lord, please send me somewhere where I'm going to get Christian fellowship. Because, you know, people who were on that course could end up right in the far end of Scotland or anywhere, way away from anybody and probably way away from getting any Christian fellowship. So I asked God specifically to find me the right job. And where did you go? 
I ended up in Knutsford, uh, in Cheshire, where I stayed for over 40 years in the same firm. And uh, I know that God gave me that job. Quite interesting, the chappie who um, interviewed me, uh, and I'd been on numerous interviews before, and you know they all went fine, but I wasn't offered the job. This chappie, it was absolute chaos, the interview, and leading up to it as well. Uh, and he offered me the job. He happened to offer uh, a chappie who became one of my very best Christian friends a job in the same firm on the same day, and we started working on the same day. It was as if God was just fitting his jigsaw together. Uh, interesting enough, this chap wasn't a Christian himself, but his sister is a strong Christian, very involved with um, Westminster and prayer in Westminster, and they certainly lead a lot at the moment. <laughs> and... Um, you know, his mother was a strong Christian, and, you know, it's just as if God had fitted that together. And so I started working this job up in Cheshire as uh, an agricultural surveyor in a firm of auctioneers and valuers. That kind of progressed for a few years, and then something quite profound happened in, in the later 80s. Can you tell us a little yes. bit about that? Yes, okay. <clears throat> well, I, I went to, to a, a good church, which was just opposite where um, I was working, for a number of years, and I was very much involved in the youth ministry there, and uh, some good friends of mine who live at Charbury, actually, uh, were both involved in that ministry there as well, and so uh, I developed that. But also some the parents of a very good friend of mine from college happened to live very close to as well, and they invited me along to some perhaps a little bit more dynamic Christian meetings, and, um, you know, where you really saw God moving and people's lives being touched and changed and God doing miracles and that sort of thing. So I started going along to those. And then in the mid-80s, I moved to another church because I'd moved out of Knutsford to um, nearer Northwich. And um, I went to see some Christian friends and we just went for an evening of fellowship, really. And it was a farmhouse kitchen and uh, we were just chatting away about how we love Jesus and how we wanted to serve Jesus. And we really felt that we wanted to serve God more. And um, so we had a time of coming before God and praying and just seeking God. And during that time, something very incredible happened to me. I all of a sudden found this very strong feeling just flowing through my hands and it was rising up my legs as well. And I knew something profound was happening, but I didn't really know what it was all about. Um, but just a few years later, I went to uh, a John Wimber conference, which happened to be on the edge of Manchester, not very far away. And uh, I haven't a clue what the chappie spoke about at this, this meeting. But after the meeting, it was a time of ministry, and a chappie got up and he said that there's some people here who are experiencing this tremendous power flowing through your hands uh, and rising up your legs. And I knew that was me. And he shared that God was calling you to pray for the sick. So I knew then what my ministry was. And uh, so things followed on from then and uh, opportunities arose to pray for a number of sick people. So, so from that and that kind of realisation, can you tell us about, if you can remember, your first kind of when you thought, I've got to do this, I've got to step out in faith and pray for someone. What, what yep. did that look like and what was, what was going on in you? Right, okay, yeah. Because it is a challenging thing, isn't it? Because you know that you can't do anything. Uh, and you're having to absolutely trust in God. The first time was actually when I was leading a meeting in Northwich, and uh, I'd only just started taking on this role. And at the meeting, at the end, you always ask people to come forward for prayer if they've got need, you see. 
So I didn't really have any choice. I had to pray for somebody who came forward. It happened to be a lady who uh, wanted prayer for her little son who had never made a sound in his life. He, was, uh, he had a condition and, and wasn't able to speak at all. And so I simply prayed with her and prayed that God would do a miracle for him and that he would be able to, to speak. And obviously I couldn't see the outcome then, but about two months later, she came back to a meeting and she shared how after we had prayed, her son had made sounds for the first time. Uh, and that builds your faith, doesn't it? When you see God actually answer your prayer, uh, you know that God's in it and that you can have confidence and faith in him to touch people's lives. You know, I always emphasize the fact that, you know, it's not me, it's him. I'm just a vessel to be used by him. But what I always remember and focus on, which gives you faith, is the fact that, you know, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells within us when we're believers. And if that Holy Spirit who dwells within you can raise Jesus from the dead, it's no problem for him to heal the sick. And that takes the focus off me, and it puts the focus on Jesus, the one who is able to do it, and the Holy Spirit who was able to move powerfully. I can sense that anointing flowing now as I'm just sharing. So that's kind of late 80s. So just yeah. in case you didn't know, John Wimber was, um, uh, he was a musician, wasn't he? In, I think in one of the yes. rock, rock bands in America. And yeah. he started seeking for God, had a kind of very dry religious experience and encountered the spirit and was the kind of pioneer founder of the vineyard churches. Absolutely, yeah. Very anointed man. But he went through his challenges, you know. Yeah. I mean, he, he wrote... Um, um, power Evangelism, I think, and Power Healing were two of the, uh, the, the books that he wrote. But he found that, you know, to start with, very little happened when he prayed for people. But rather than giving up, he persevered. Uh, and as time went by, God's anointing seemed to increase and more people seemed to be touched and healed through his ministry. So we're now 30, about 30 years after that time when you kind of realized that this was God's call upon your life yeah. and gifted it by the Spirit in this way. What have you seen the Lord do? Okay. Just a, f a few examples. Right, okay. How many hours have you got? <laughs> but no, I can share a lot. Uh, I mean, there are some sort of very exciting stories that I think it would be good to share. One in particular was uh, when I was asked to pray for a chap who was in intensive care up in Bangor in North Wales. What had happened was that uh, this was in about 2003. Um, he and his wife went to a wedding in North Wales on a Friday, uh, which was lovely, and uh, he was staying with, uh, he and his wife were staying with his parents uh, in a house up there in North Wales, and uh, the house was being painted on the outside by the family, and uh, on the Saturday, John decided that he was going to finish off the painting, and it was the gable end, basically. There was scaffolding up, and on top of the scaffolding was a ladder. So he climbed to the very top, and he was just reaching up to paint the final bit, and the scaffolding gave way, the ladder gave way, and he dropped over 30 feet and landed on concrete, which isn't a nice experience. And he was in a very, very serious condition. He had a hole in his head. Um, there was all sorts of damage to his head. His shoulder was completely out. He had a compound fracture of his wrist. His, his um, ribs were broken, uh, and he was just a complete mess. Mavamri, his wife, is a very petite lady, and miraculously... Uh, she was able to turn him around into the recovery position. She had become a Christian uh, six months before, and she had a really strong uh, faith, you know, and she really believed that God was going to do something about it, even though it seemed impossible. 
Because of his condition, he couldn't be transported by land, and so the air ambulance came, and uh, I've seen pictures of him uh, strapped to a four-round loader, uh, which lifted him over the hedge, and then they got him onto the ambulance, and they took him away to intensive care in Bangor Hospital. And while he was there, uh, they started doing an operation on his compound fracture of his wrist, but they didn't even bother finishing it. They didn't even sew him up because they were so certain that he wasn't going to survive. And his condition deteriorated. And, uh, but his wife was there with him all the time, and she just believed that God was going to do something. She had this childlike faith and really believed that he was going to be okay. You know, even when the lady was hovering around wanting to know whether the organs could be donated and all that sort of thing was going on. But there were Christians praying for him all over the world. He wasn't actually a Christian at that time. Uh, and it came towards um, uh, two weeks had gone by and uh, they were going to make a decision then to switch the machine off. And uh, so I was invited very last minute on the Sunday, the, the machine they were going to switch off on the Monday. And... Uh, I was invited to go up and to pray for him. Uh, some very good friends of mine asked me whether I would. And uh, in fact, they, they came to the church a few months ago. Fiona Bruce, who's an MP, uh, and her husband uh, asked me whether I was prepared to go up and pray for John, which, of course, I said, yes, I'd love to go and pray for him. The reason for that was I had prayed for Fiona only a few weeks before. Uh, we had a business meeting. At the end of the business meeting, she said, would you pray for my elbow and my arm because I've got an awful lot of pain and it's stopping me getting sleep. So I said, yeah. And uh, so after everybody else had gone, uh, I prayed for Fiona and God instantly healed her and the pain just completely disappeared and she was fine. So I think that just brought it to their mind that maybe I was the right person to go up and pray for John. So uh, I went up with um, my friend Richard and driving up in his car and all the time he was telling me reasons why God wasn't going to heal John which you know isn't really what you want to hear when you're going to pray for somebody who's in that sort of condition but I just let it sort of go in one ear and out the other to be honest really and was just trusting God about it all so we got to the hospital and I met Mavanwi for the first time and Mavanwi and I went into intensive care and uh, two chairs were put out for us and the curtain was pulled behind us and so started to pray and uh, we also took a prayer cloth with us, and uh, I can explain, you know, about prayer cloths if you like, if you don't know what they are. Uh, but we placed this cloth, which we prayed over on John as well, uh, and believed that the healing anointing was in that cloth. But I prayed for John and his head and all the different parts of his body that needed prayer. And as we were praying, there was an incredibly powerful experience of God's presence. Literally all of us were shaking under the power of God, including John. Uh, to the point that after 20 minutes, all the machines went off and we were thrown out of intensive care, which was a, a bit of an experience. I've never been thrown out of a pub, but I've been thrown out of intensive care. And uh, so we just went out and uh, my family asked me, what was that? You know, because she was aware something very powerful had happened. And I just shared, well, it's, it's the Holy Spirit just moving and touching John. And so uh, we went through to the, uh, the room where... Um, Richard, my friend, was, and Richard was actually sharing with John's mother and uh, shared the gospel with her and led her to the Lord while we were praying for John. Three days later, she had um, a stroke and she died, but she knew Jesus. 
And that was incredible, really, and very, very powerful. Uh, and so I went back to Cheshire not knowing what had happened to John, but the following morning, um, things started to happen, and the nurses and doctors were very baffled because the blood oxygen level all of a sudden shot up from where it was, uh, and they thought the machine had broken, so they replaced the machine with another one, but mm, the readings were the same on the, the next machine as well. And uh, within a couple of days, he could breathe for himself, and... Uh, you know, everything started to change, and he woke up, and uh, it was incredible. They took scans. Scans had been taken before uh, of his head and his lungs, and they took scans afterward, and the scans afterward showed that his head was clear and his lungs were clear as well. And they had to accept that it was a miracle. There was no other answer. Uh, and so even the medics had to accept that it was a miracle. And over a period of time, John improved. It took time and he had to learn to read and do all sorts of things that he'd been able to do before. But now if you were to meet him, I'm sure you will do one of these days because they will come along to the church here, and uh, you'll just see how John is, and you, you'd think he was perfectly normal because God did an incredible job in his life. And as a result of that, uh, we did a TV program on Channel 4 Wales about healing, and it, our part was as, as John's story, really. And as a result of that, a lady from... West Wales rang up and said, would I be prepared to go and pray for her sister, who was terminally ill and had six weeks left to live. So I took John with me, and we went down to Cardiff. The family was staying in a hotel down there because they thought it was going to be their last family get-together while she was alive. And so the first thing I did with John when we met her was I led her to Jesus, and she decided she wanted to accept Jesus as her Lord and Saviour and invited him into her life. And then we prayed for healing, and just prayed, and uh, God moved, and we came back, not knowing what the outcome was. And um, anyway, about three months later, by which time she should have been dead, I had a phone call from this lady, and she said it was an awful lot better. And um, she had gone to this really good church, and the whole of her family had gone along to the church and had become Christians. And that's the biggest miracle of all, really, isn't it? You know, when people come into the kingdom. And uh, she did eventually die about two or three years later. But in the meantime, her family had come to a into a living relationship with Jesus. And she died and went to be with Jesus. And that's a wonderfully a reassuring thing, isn't it? To know that when you're a Christian, you know, this isn't it. You know, that we're going to a better place. It's incredible. I mean, I, my wife died two and a half years ago, and if she hadn't been a Christian and I hadn't known that she was a Christian, the outcome of that would have been very different. And it is a difficult time when you lose a loved one. But just to know that they're in a better place and that they're okay does make such a difference, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. You know. What have you learned about Jesus in these 30, 40 years? Not just what you learned at the start. What have you kind of yeah. learned, picked up along the way? Well, that he's a God in who you can put all of your trust and know is never going to let you down. You know, I've had situations where if I hadn't had Jesus, I don't know what I would have done, to be honest. I don't even know whether I would still be here uh, if I hadn't known and experienced the reality of Jesus. You know, when uh, my wife died and my business went into administration on the same day, that was very devastating. Without knowing God and his presence and his peace and his strength and his provision... I don't know where I would be. 
And he did provide in an incredible way. I mean, I, I held on to promises, you know, um, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths was one. And then because I needed financial help, uh, you know, my God will meet all of your needs according to his riches in glory through Christ Jesus. And I held on to those promises. And I had a financial need because my income had suddenly gone from quite a decent level to nothing. And I was trusting God that he would look after me. And one day I came back, I'd been out in the morning and I came back in the afternoon, the postman had been, and he'd left a recorded delivery letter with the next door neighbor. Uh, and a card went through my letterbox. So I went round to the neighbour and found this envelope and took it home. And I thought, oh, no, this is from the accountant. You know, this is going to be a bill. And uh, I opened it up, and then I saw behind the letter there was something from the Inland Revenue. I thought, oh, no, this is definitely going to be a bill. You know, but when I actually opened it up and looked at it, there was a cheque from the Inland Revenue for £41,000. And if that isn't God's provision, I don't know what is. I'd paid too much tax five years before, and it took that length of time for that money to come back, but it was just when I needed it. You know, God's never let me down. Through whatever situation or circumstance I've found myself to be in, if you put your trust in God, you know, he will look after you and he will provide for you. So it's just your relationship with God, if you choose to walk with him, just gets stronger and stronger as the years go by, I think, really. How have you persevered? Because I'm assuming not everyone you pray for, there's a positive, you know, a healing outcome. No, not every time, no. So what, how do you deal with that when you kind of, how do you process that of, how have you kept going? Okay, well, I've kept going because I believe that, you know, it's my, God's will for me to pray for people. Sometimes it's not, it's timing or there can be other reasons. Sometimes it just takes longer for things to, to happen. I don't know the answers and will only know the real answers to why not everybody does get healed when, when, you know, go to meet with the Lord, you know, and with him. I'm sure I'll find out the answers then. And it does baffle you, but you've just got to keep persevering and, and doing what you believe God's telling you to do and pray for people and thank God for the people that he does heal, really. And, you know, I have seen some incredible miracles um, you know, I prayed for a young lad, he was 10 years old, and he came up to me at this meeting and said, I've got two things I'd like you to pray for. Uh, one is my homework, I'm finding it difficult with my homework. I thought, fine, that's not too difficult to pray about. But the other thing he wanted prayer for was that his teeth stuck out, and kids at school were calling him goofy, and he was finding it really hard, and he wanted me to pray about that. And I thought, ooh, that's a bit more challenging, isn't it? But then you've got to focus on the fact, well, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells within me. And it's not me, it's him through me. Uh, and so he came forward, and I, I was very brave and prayed for his homework first, and, uh, you know, believed that God would help him with that. And then it came to the teeth issue. And uh, I just looked into his mouth. And, you know, Jesus, when he prayed for the sick, very often just spoke to the condition. Uh, I prayed to his condition. I spoke to his teeth and I commanded them to straighten in Jesus' name. Nothing happened at the meeting, but he went home and at three o'clock in the morning, he woke up and he could feel something happening in his mouth and he looked in the mirror and his teeth were perfectly straight. And what a testimony for him to be able to share with his friends and family and people in the village as well. He lived in a small village and people couldn't but notice the difference, you know. 
It's all about Jesus, isn't it? It's all about pointing people to Jesus and letting people know that Jesus is real, Jesus is alive, and Jesus is the answer to all of our needs, whether it's you know, forgiveness or whatever it is. He can meet us at our point of need and he can set us free. How was his homework? Uh, I never found out about his homework, actually, but uh, hopefully, uh, you know, it was okay. But uh, it's just so exciting serving God. And, you know, I thank God for the opportunities that he continues to give me to, to pray for people. Uh, I've done quite a lot of prayer uh, at healing sessions on Alpha. And I did one at, to the church that I belonged to before I came here, uh, just before I joined that church, actually. And the uh, administrator from the church um, was um, in a wheelchair most of the time and had two sticks. And she'd really wanted to go out to Uganda, and I've had quite a lot of involvement with Uganda, uh, but she couldn't go because she wasn't fit enough to be able to go. Uh, and so at this Alpha <coughs> healing session, uh, myself and the minister uh, prayed for her, and God instantly healed her. And she's never needed a wheelchair, and she's never needed walking sticks ever since. And she was able to go out to Uganda and do what was really on her heart to serve God out there. Another one related to prayer cloths, and this was another Alpha healing session where, again, I just shared a bit of testimony about what God had done in people's lives. And um, after that, I prayed for people, and this lady came forward, uh, and she wanted me to pray for her father, who was terminally ill with a brain tumour and was about to go to the Christie Hospital two days later for an end-of-life chat. And so we prayed on a prayer cloth and uh, prayed that God's healing anointing would flow into this cloth and when it touched her father, that he would be healed in Jesus' name. And so she went away and uh, she took the cloth to her father who placed it on his head and then two days later he went to the Christie Hospital. Before they had the end-of-life chat, they did some tests, and they came back completely baffled because his brain tumour had completely disappeared. It's amazing what God can do. And so the, the first Alpha where I prayed was on a Monday. The following Monday, she'd come back to the Alpha, and she shared with the group, and the group shared with me what God had done for him. You know, it's incredible what God can do. We mustn't limit what God can do. But sometimes, for some reason, things don't happen. But um, one area I do pray an awful lot for people is lower back problems. And I've seen hundreds and hundreds of people healed from lower back problems. So if anybody's got a lower back problem, uh, be very happy to pray with you uh, and see a miracle take place. I usually do it by um, checking people's legs to see if they're the same length. And if they're not the same length... It's usually because of the back problem, putting pressure on one side more than the other, and that causes the problem. And you can just command the shorter leg to grow out and adjust, and for the spine to adjust, uh, and, um, you know, usually the pain and discomfort goes. And, uh, you know, it's a lovely miracle to see. Uh, we prayed over that sort of miracle out in Yugoslavia, and I was out there a number of years ago, because we had a meeting and people were sharing and then there was an altar call and nobody seemed to respond, you know. They were as if they were all dead, you know, and uh, their faces were just blank. And then God said, these people need to see miracles. So we prayed for a number of them and many of them had back problems and God healed them. And after that, they couldn't stop asking Jesus to come into their lives and many of them uh, became Christians in that evening. I love how you've brought out that kind of really central principle that, that often the healing is an expression of God's love. Yes. 
but to draw people to the author of that love and the it's all about drawing people to Jesus you know it's all very well I mean another one that I should share which I will in a minute you know it is all about leading people to Jesus I also love the fact that there's not three stories it's like, oh there's that one and there's, there's that one and this one you know God just sort of brings to your mind things as you go along but you know it is all about leading people to Jesus it's no good praying for an unbeliever to be healed if they end up going to hell is it you know, the most important thing is that they go to heaven. And this happened at a, a, I was at a hotel near Manchester Airport. I wasn't the main speaker, but afterwards there were people coming forward for prayer. There happened to be a couple in a room next door to the meeting room, and some of the younger people who'd been in this meeting went out and started chatting to them. And it became evident that this chap uh, had been deaf since birth. You know, the, in Acts chapter 3, it talks about the man who had been crippled since birth. This was a parallel story. This chappy had been deaf since birth. He had a teeny weeny bit of hearing in one ear, but his other ear was completely deaf. And uh, they brought him in for prayer. And who happened to be the one person who wasn't praying for anybody at the time? Me. So they brought him over to me. And, you know, again, you've got to trust God in these situations. It's no good trusting me. Uh, And so I started praying for him and I put my fingers in his ears you know Jesus did that too and I commanded the deaf spirit to come out and for hearing to come into his ears and to start with hearing started coming into the ear where he had a tiny bit of hearing and it got up to a level that was quite acceptable and then I had to pray into the other ear which had never had any hearing in in his life and um, so I prayed and in Jesus name I commanded the deaf spirit to come out of him and healing, hearing came into that ear as well. And obviously he was very thrilled as to what had happened, but I felt I couldn't leave it at that. You know, he was going away on holiday the next morning. But, you know, it's great to be healed, but what about the one who healed him? And so I said, would you like to come to know the person who's healed you? And uh, I just led him through a, a prayer of salvation, and he gave his life to Jesus. So he went away on holiday the next day, not only healed, but born again of the Spirit of God. Uh, and that was just so exciting and so wonderful to see. It's amazing. Yeah. So encouraging. It so is all about pointing people to Jesus. And, you know, again, when I was out in Uganda, um, back just before the lockdown, uh, this young lad needed prayer. He, he was actually demon-possessed. And, you know, he came to you and tried to scratch you and things like that. You could tell it was demonic. Uh, he'd never walked in his life. He would just crawl along. He was four years old. And, uh, you know, I just felt that I had to take authority over the spirit and I cast this evil spirit out of him and I just prayed for his healing and he started walking around in that meeting. And you can imagine, you know, there there were probably 200 people there. You know, just the the joy uh, and the the rising of faith amongst those people, uh, you know, uh, and encouraging people too. I think how many people came to know the Lord? About 50 or 60 in that conference, uh, you know, came to know Jesus. And it was because they could see the reality of Jesus that this wasn't some dead religion, but that it was coming to know a real God who is alive today and forevermore. What would you encourage us with? You know, as we're all called to, to pray for the sick. Yeah. Um, what kind of point is Jesus at the heart of it? It's his spirit, not us. You've, yeah. you've emphasized that. Is there anything else you'd... You just want to help us as we learn and as we take these sort of steps of faith right. to be obedient to Jesus. Yes, it is all about being obedient. It is about being willing to step out in faith. Uh, it's the importance of humbling yourself. Uh, and that's always been something I've always focused on. 
uh, you know, always give the glory to him. But, you know, step out in faith and pray for the sick and you'll find that God will do something. Um, you know, he won't let us down. Um, I found that and I've encouraged others to pray for the sick and yeah, just been alongside them maybe to start with and just help them and allow them to pray and, and seeing God work and, and touch people's lives. And, you know, God wants us to be free. God wants us to be in good health. And, um, you know, we need to use the gifts of the Spirit that God has given the church uh, and to really encourage all of us to move in that so that, um, you know, we can really see God's kingdom at work amongst us because that does draw people into the church and it draws people to Jesus, doesn't it? Uh, at the end of the day, that is literally what it's all about, really, isn't it? Letting people know that there is a God who's alive, who is the saviour of the world, who changes and transforms our lives. But I did need to be filled with the Holy Spirit before uh, I was able to really move and work in this area. And that was a bit of a battle as well uh, back in the early 80s um, because God showed me that there were two areas in my life that were blocking my walk with God. And I feel it's quite important just to share this, really. Um, one area was I had unforgiveness in my life. My parents had sent me away to boarding school, and I really hated it. And, uh, in fact, um, I went away. It, you know, it wasn't a weekly board. It, you, you went away for a few weeks before you came home. Anyway, I came home for the weekend, and when it came to time to, uh, to go back to school, uh, there was a little field next door to where we lived, and I hid in this field and didn't come out until it was too late to go back to school. But I still, deep down, had this resentment against my parents. And uh, the, ten years later, or more than ten years later, I was at a conference and I'm really seeking God to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and God just revealed to me that that was an issue that I needed to deal with. So I repented and asked you know, my parents to forgive me, and I renounced you know, unforgiveness and I knew a sense of peace but God showed me there was one other area as well and it was to do with the occult because I was a minister's son uh, in an English lesson somebody brought out a Ouija board and they thought oh this person's from a spiritual sort of background you see and so I was invited to play this game of Ouija I didn't know anything about it hadn't a clue what it was all about but I was involved and uh, as I was playing it was aware that something was going on out of my control it was put away at the end of the lesson and that was it but again, a number of years later, I was at this conference and seeking God and really wanted to do more for God and to be filled with this Holy Spirit. Uh, and God told me that, you know, any involvement with the enemy in that way is going to block you. And uh, again, I had to renounce any involvement with the occult and ask God to forgive me and to set me free from it. And he did. And once those two areas were dealt with, then, boy, you know, the power of God fell upon me and I was filled with the Holy Spirit uh, and I knew the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon my life, and it gave me a boldness. You'd never guess, but before I became a Christian, I was one of the shyest people you would ever meet. I actually found it embarrassing talking to somebody, just one other person across a table. And I determined that I'd never be able to get married, because if you get married, you've got to give a speech, and there's no way I'd ever be able to give a speech. So in my mind, that's where I was at. But I became a Christian, and then I was filled with the Holy Spirit, and, um, boy, you know, all of a sudden, your life changes. God changes you. And, uh, you know, I had a confidence, not in myself, but in him. Uh, and I had a boldness. 
and uh, which I could use for, for God's kingdom, but it would also help with work because there's no way I could have been an auctioneer if, if you, you know, were too shy to speak to anybody. It doesn't really work, does it? Uh, and, and God just enabled me to do things I couldn't have done in the natural. And I did get married, and uh, I did give a speech, uh, and uh, we were very happily married for over 30 years until, sadly, Marlene died. Praise God, he has found me another lady, and... Um, you know, we're about to begin our lives together. And uh, that's very exciting, Angie, uh, from Yorkshire, you know. And, uh, you know, she's a lovely girl. Don't she's diss a... the Yorkshire. Hmm? Don't diss the Yorkshire. No, I know, you're from Yorkshire <laughs> as well. Edward's from just down the road from her. She's a, from Doncaster and you came from Sheffield, I think. But, uh, you know, she's got that Yorkshire grit, you know, and she, she loves Jesus. Her and two friends went out on the streets of Doncaster just before Christmas, and in two days they led 17 people to Jesus. Quite incredible. Um, you know, she really has got the anointing of the Holy Spirit. She's a, an evangelist, and, and yeah, she prays for people as well. Uh, I'm really looking forward to us. She's going to be moving down here after Valentine's Day, and you know, we're looking forward to together being a part of this fellowship and, and, and serving Jesus together. Really appreciate you sharing part of your story, uh, yeah. Peter. Um, we're going to pray, I'm going to ask the band to be back, but I think it, you, you're happy to pray for people. Absolutely, we, yeah. We always are, it's something we want to do. Yes. But also, one of the things you've said often is, is it's, let's come to know the healer, Jesus. Yes. Mm. Um, and I think it'd be good to just to make that opportunity available Absolutely. as well tonight to, yes, to take that step so. of faith. Yeah, no, it's always important to make sure that people know Jesus. You know, you can go to church every day of your life. That doesn't make you a Christian. I did for 22 years and it didn't make me a Christian. You know, you can never be good enough to become a Christian because God's standard is 100%. And we cannot inherit Christianity from our parents. It's a one-to-one -one decision. And um, so we all need to make that decision. And I made that decision way back in 1979. I've never regretted it, but I don't think where I would have been if I hadn't made that decision. So I believe it's important to give people an opportunity um, to give their lives to Jesus if they haven't already done that. And how I like to do that is to just get everybody to just close their eyes and bow their heads and I'm going to just sort of lead in a prayer, and uh, whether you're a Christian or not, but if you're not a Christian and you want to accept Jesus as your Lord, just pray this prayer with me and, and invite Jesus into your life. So can we just bow our heads and uh, let's just come into the presence of Jesus. Lord Jesus, we come into your presence now. We pray, Holy Spirit, just move amongst us, Lord, and just show us your love uh, and how much you care for us. So if you'd just like to pray after me, uh, let's just pray. Heavenly Father, I confess that I'm a sinner and that I have fallen short of your glory. I thank you for sending Jesus to be my Lord and Saviour. Thank you that he died on a cross for me and thank you that he took our sin upon himself I ask you to come into my life to forgive me for the sins I've committed and to be my Lord and Saviour 
Thank you, Lord Jesus, that as I have asked, so you have come in to my life, and I am now a new creation in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you prayed that prayer, maybe, you know, at the end of the service, if you wanted to just come up and just shake me by the hand or whatever, uh, just to acknowledge that you've made that decision, that would be lovely. Great. So Alan um, is going to lead us in the band. We're not asking you, because of COVID and, and uh, moving about, um, asking this.